With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hey Beverly Hills 90210 fans, are you ready to dive deep? Episode by episode. Storyline by storyline, character by character, as we break down the making of your favorite zip code with your host, <laughs> Charles Rose. Did I say that? Terry Mullen. This thing about the, the, the real person, and we go, what? We'll get rid of this guy. Pete Ferrero. I'm feeling wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen looks crush, TV crush worthy. Like so many special guests. And all your questions. Live on the Beverly Hills 90210 show. Oh, yeah. And we're gonna dance now. Okay, Larry. Every, every, no one's going to be on the show today. It's just me and you. No, just, <laughs> everybody's tuning off immediately. No, this is a big show. Um, it's very exciting. We're covering Lost in Las Vegas. Everybody is going to be with us in a second. But me and you have a lot of business to get to. Um, okay. Sounds grim. Sounds <laughs> like I just invited you into the, the offices at Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, but here's the deal. So so we're, we're getting very close on this America zip code thing. We are only missing two states now. This is – I'm still – every week I wait for Steve Karnacki to, to show up with the big board. With the big board, I yeah. know. But we're only waiting Montana. for Montana and Wyoming. I kind of feel like it's a Brokeback Mountain kind of thing. Isn't it? I mean, it's kind of a <laughs> – yeah. let's, let's go, you know, come on, Wyoming. Uh, I actually have some uh, friends uh, who, are, who know people in Jackson Hole there. That are queering people there, okay, and also in Bozeman. So I'm trying, you know, and I, you know, I'm stalking the Facebook pages. You know, you're from Bozeman, if, and uh, <laughs> I haven't gotten any hooks yet. But uh, I'm, I'm like a deranged person on Facebook to, uh, to get these. But right. I realize the whole month of October is a festival of fans united in the love of uh, of this uh, show, which you know, was 31st anniversary is October 4th. That's right. And we're going to celebrate all month with uh, fan-oriented shows. So if you're in Montana or if you're in Wyoming, sorry, but we really need you. And we need you to come on to this this podcast. And and, be, and listen, we're going to throw – if we, if anyone from Montana and Wyoming come on, we're going to throw a big surprise at you. I don't know what that is yet. I, I don't so. know. Yeah, but it's – so just get on it. Yeah. Well, Pete, there's one important fact we should always remember that I'm pretty certain, you know, when the show – when Beverly Hills 920 premiered, it was on Fox, which did not have a 100% coverage in the United States. Right. Only certain – a lot of stations opted out for this strange kind of edgy network. And for all we know, there was no first generation, not to an old watchers in Wyoming and Montana. People mm-hmm. would have had to discover the show later on. So we are being handicapped in the, that part of the world. I do want to. That's why we need them more. We need them more now. People got to help us out. If you know anyone in these states, let's just talk. Just, to them. Come on, let's get it together, guys. Please. I mean, we really need some help. I mean, you're all you're all so lovely and wonderful every week. Can you find someone from Montana? Just just do what Larry's doing. Just help us help us that way. I want to also let you know, Larry. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the nine zero two one bro 
is back. Darren Martin, our friend, That's is nice. back. We, on. Would be, we would be nowhere without Darren. Darren I started this whole you know, we look at the show movement. I mean, he, personally, he, is a he did so much for this podcast. He did so much for me. So I'm so glad that he's back in action. Follow him on Instagram. Let's get his account back up and, and, and rocking. Absolutely. Now, okay, there's more. Next week, we, are, we, we want to preview the Zip Code show, so we didn't want to dive into a heavy topic. There's still many shows that we can cover. But uh, so we're going to do the After Dark Live. We usually do this after the show, although we're not doing it tonight. But we usually do it after the show. Um, and so we're going to let our Patreons come on and be a panel here. If, so if you're not on our Patreon and you want to be on next week, you can do this. Go to Patreon and sign up, and then you can be on our show next week. So two weeks in a row, fan-centric sort of things. Yeah. Um, we felt badly because none of our Patreons are going to be on the zip code show. So we wanted to give you guys a platform to, uh, to come on and talk. And the topic for next week will be, we'll have a big round table. It's going to be uh, the best couple on, or the greatest couple of 90210. It could be Donna and David. It could be Brenda and Dylan. It could be Brandon and, 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 and Kelly. It could be any of the, 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 the couples that were on the show. So that should be fun. Yes. Okay, I think so. I think so. And and again, it's a after dark. There's an atmosphere. We'll probably be wearing bathrobes. You know, it's just it's a different, it's, it's a different look. You're getting a, a chance to see what happens after the show. Absolutely. Uh, okay. I'll probably, I'll probably be imbibing something. Now, I want to say also, we do have merch. Zip code sh- store merch. Oh wow. Okay. It's okay, but it's the this spreadsheet or the place that where it has it. Is has it in review, so I'm not able to share a link. I'm not able to do any of that. It's very frustrating, but it will be available in a day or so. We think you should really get that and wear that that stuff. I am I am on it. And also, here's an old ad, and then we'll bring everybody back on, and we're going to cover Lost in Las Vegas. That was a lot. Okay, okay, okay. Do you know we have even more new shirts and merchandise at Beverly Hills 90210showshop.com? For instance, watch our Planet 90210 show with some sick Planet 90210 merch. Or want to celebrate at the Peach Pit? Check out this new shirt with a photo from Jill Henkel's collection. Or, oh my god, I know Claire Arnold fans are going to love this one. A little sex, rock, and really decent literature. Plus, for all you Larry Mullen fans, that's right, a get out of here shirt. And don't forget about our classic designs. We keep loading it up with more items each week, so head over to Beverly Hills, 90210showshop.com for all your 90210 stuff. Okay, so we have our panel of experts <laughs> here to talk about this big episode, uh, Lost in Las Vegas. Uh, Michael Lang, the director of the episode, it's so good to see you, man. How have you been? I have been good. I have been good. You know, it's always fun to do this show because I get to reminisce about the good old days. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like there was some a lot of a lot of moving parts. They always like to throw the moving parts at Michael at Michael Lang here. Evidently. Yes. And of course, uh Allison Smith, who was Melanie in this episode. Really great storyline. I mean, you've been in so many incredible things, and I know Larry and I want to touch upon them when through this podcast, but you were Annie. And you were on the West Wing, and you've done so many awesome things. So it's good to see you. How are, how are things with you? Everything is really good, thank you. Really good. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. And, of course, our good old friend, Aaron uh, Clements. I never referred to anybody as a good old friend before. 
<laughs> um, and from the Today Show, how are you? Um, I'm great. Uh, excited to talk about a David-centric episode since this was Brian's big week, you know, with the Dancing with the Stars premiere. Yes. Oh, I do want to mention that. Thank you, Aaron, for the for the hot tag there. And that's a wrestling term. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Brian is on Dancing with the Stars. Look, we want everybody to go out and vote, whatever that is, on Monday. Uh, follow the text thread. Watch the show. Support him and and Sharna. They're really rocking it. So make sure you guys go out and do that. Obviously. Um, okay, Larry. Let's go back to um, the beginning of this Lost in Las Vegas. We'd like to start with the writing of this. How did it? How did it come to be that we would have David? in Las Vegas. Well, you know, this was a sweeps episode and also a sweeps episode, you know, which is a sore spot of mine. It was on the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. So we know we're going to be fighting because our audience is basically driving back from college, our original audience. And, you know, that's how it worked out. <laughs> but so we needed to pump it up and we, and, uh, you know, we had been leading to some of David's mental uh, instability and, you know, through his, you know, through his mother and just, you know, a lot of other things. And now he's inherited a lot of money. And a car, a great car, right, Michael? Definitely. That was a 62 Red T-Bird, and it looked great. Thank you for filming it. Looking at it again, uh, I just remembered. Now, I, when I went to high school and I graduated in 64, mm -hmm. my friend, who was obviously wealthy, had a 62 T-Bird like that. And so we, I would get to, uh, uh, to be a shotgun in that car for you know, my whole senior year. Uh, but anyway, so we, we, you know, in writing this, this was written by Steve Wasserman. Uh, who, okay. who was someone who I'm gonna who you know look it was not a secret he he brought a lot of uh, uh, the mental stuff uh, was first personal to him because he struggled with a uh, you know a, a condition of I guess you call bipolar himself yeah and so it was a very personal episode to him and, and I think we kind of all put together uh, you know I must admit it was it a double up Michael you think um. I don't remember if it was a dog. I, I thought I it was because of the nature of like Brandon being uh, isolated in his own story. Like he doesn't know, go to maybe. Vegas. Maybe right. I couldn't. I couldn't tell. And, and I know we, usually the double ups weren't as complex as this one was, though. Yeah, you might be right. Because uh, and and one one thing I, I wanted to know uh, also just before we get too deep into it, this was shot at the Hollywood Park Casino. Correct. Yep. Uh, anyway, so the idea was we were able to harvest some good storylines and also do some uh, some work to. We knew we were going to write Ray off off the show, finally off the show, and try to give him a soft landing after you know kind of hurting his career terribly uh, by making him an abusive boyfriend. Um, anyway, so we've we've been over that, and you know we all you know we've moved on. Yeah. Uh, and we actually have Michael uh, Zach Throne is going to reflect on that later as a really yes. close friend of Jamie. What that. happened at that time? Because <laughs> Zach was with him, and this was this was the uh, last episode of Jamie Walter as Ray Pruitt. Uh, other than the last uh, the reboot the kids did a couple of years ago, uh, where they did a good job of rehabilitating him. But you know, we were able to harvest a lot of the stuff there and have a little bit of fun also with Steve and Claire, which is one of the great couples, right. I think. And they just it was, you know, it's that's a classic couple where you have the over over educated girl who's so smart, and then she loves this good hearted honk who's dove, basically, and, and, <laughs> and will always make the right, wrong choice. 
so it's a great, great scene in that too. There's, and then we get to have play out this this terrible kind of nightmare before the Hangover movies were ever written about you know David getting taken and fleeced in Vegas. So we we had some promotable elements, is I guess what I'm saying is we really we needed something to pump up the the, the volume yes. for the sweeps and sweeps. For, if you don't understand, is is when the television stations set the advertising prices, and those those happened in November and February and May, and those are the the money balls of, of television production. I want to say you just mentioned Claire. I mean, as Claire, I must immediately start the episode by saying how incredible did Claire look in this uh, in this episode, right? I mean, this is some of her finest stuff, and I love what you guys did with Claire here, and we will definitely uh, talk about that later on. But I want to talk with you, Michael. This was there was a lot of things happening in this uh, in this episode. So once again, it's season seven. You'd think to yourself, like, okay. By this point, they're gonna give me a, uh, they're gonna give me something slightly easier. No, nope. nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never got the easy ones. No, right. <laughs> it was a seven day box, and you had to have. Sometimes it was really packed with stuff. Other days it wasn't. But Michael didn't get those. He got the ends of seasons, the beginning of seasons. He got Sweets Week, and you know he was a money player for the show. Yeah, um, yeah. We I think we shot two days at the Hollywood Park at that casino. Um, which was quite challenging because I think I'm pretty sure they they refused to close down for us. So I think we had a certain section of it and I had to figure out how to shoot so that we wouldn't see, you know, the real people in there. Mm-hmm. And also because of the nature, you know, there was like security guys everywhere making sure we didn't steal anything. And um, so I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure there were a lot of logistical issues uh, filming in there. And then mm-hmm. also there was some specific, because it, you know it was not a Vegas casino. So in order to make it look like a Vegas casino, we had to do quite a bit of creative set dressing yeah. uh, to make that all work authentically. And, mm-hmm. uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. Had a great time. Um, and for Allison, obviously you you have a huge career. You've done a lot of things. Um, do you remember getting this the 90210 job? Do you remember what that process was like for you? Was I'm sure you auditioned and all that? Uh, I'm sure I auditioned, but I mostly remember that time just um, as an actor, just in television, wanting to work with Aaron Spelling any chance that you got. And, um, and it so happens I ended up after this doing a show called Buddy Pharaoh. That was a show mm-hmm. that series that Aaron uh, had produced. And so who knows? I mean, I think this may have been a moment where it felt like once you worked with him, he was such a nice man mm-hmm. that uh, he remembered you and he was grateful that you worked hard for him and he kept you in mind. So, um, so I just really remember feeling great about finally getting to work with him. Mm. That was great. Um, and obviously you have, it's interesting, Larry, that storyline is very interesting because it is kind of a part of every, like a part kept apart from everything else um and we watched it on <laughs> we did the watch long you looked like you were watching it for the first time and you don't even I, recall 
I know. I didn't remember. <laughs> I didn't remember. I was kind of delighted by it. I, I'm trying to figure out why we did it. And I think, you know, thinking about how big Michael's show was over the, the Hollywood Park, you know, again, we, we produced on a seven-day schedule. So four days out, three days in. And there and, were seven, and, seven not very long days. Yeah, exactly. I think we always kept it. We could not go over, I think it was 12 hours. That was it. Most shows now shoot 14 we, hours. We took so. pride in this, in, in, yeah. in delivering a, a shootable show. You know, that's something, I don't know, that was my Definitely. background. It was in Chuck's background and, and Jessica and Steve's. And you know, so we and we never were late for pages ever. But uh, I think, you know, because we were going to be out so much, we needed something to be on the sets because we were going to be in Vegas for most of the show. So we invented this storyline, uh, right. which is in the Page Peach Pit, and it's in the Walsh House, I think. And that's really it. Is it any place else? It's in a hotel at one point, too. Is it a... Yeah. Yeah, because we, we, we probably got that at the Hollywood Park Casino, probably, or something near there. And, you know, we would have made a day there. But, uh, but no, it's very charming. And, and Allison is, you know, it's just, it was uh, delightful to, to see you working it. And you got to work with Jason and... Uh, Who's, who was a good friend of the show and a friend of ours. And what was what was your experience like working with Jason? Oh, well, he's lovely and a delight. I think I think all of your cast members were for as a guest as a guest star. I think, you know, you always come in wondering anyone going to talk to you, anyone going to uh, sit with you at lunch or, um, you know, and and having been a regular on a series, you just kind of forget that guest stars might might need that moment where you ingratiate themselves to, mm. to them because you're just like, you know, in your life and in your dressing room and with your people all the time. So Jason was uh, extraordinarily generous and friendly and uh, the scenes were very easy. And uh, I, I don't know how well i did or how well i pulled off what you what you needed for for the moment but um i think uh portraying a girl from ohio who landed in la and had never been there before and got dumped you know i think uh i think hopefully i just uh was there to show what a good guy jason's character was. well i think it was that and also to reflect on the Kelly Taylor relationship, which, you know, he talks about the other girl. And so yeah. we get him a chance. In other words, we always say, sometimes your character is there to serve the story. And that's right. kind of what we need you to do. And, uh, but yeah, you know, Jason also, for better or worse, was our Boy Scout, so to speak. And that was, <laughs> that was, he hated that part. But, uh, and I, you know, looking at it again, if I had to rewrite that storyline again, I would not quite have it that way. I would have something a little bit more of, of, of a twisty in it, I think. But uh, I, I did say that during the podcast. You're very hard on yourself. Like we, kind of felt like we undershot that a little bit there. You know, sometimes you got to look at these things. You know, you look at them and you get other ideas. You know, it's I, funny I, you I, say that, though. I think that's a, that's a function of where we are now in television. Because when I was watching it, I hadn't seen it since I shot it. And I was thinking, okay, what's with this girl? There's something that's going to happen She's, you know, trying to twist something. She's a grifter. Yeah. And, of course, it turned out she was exactly what she said she was. So, but I think that was more of the time. That's what we can't kind of enjoyed about television back then. Oh, yeah, it was an innocent, more innocent time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I went through the same thing. I said, is she a grifter? I'm trying to remember this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, and he's so and he's so trusting. He just like, yeah, stay over at my house. I'm thinking yeah, well, that could not happen today. Oh, by the way, look at it. Write a scene like that today. No, no, we're also you know jaded. What were you gonna say, Allison? Sorry. Well, yeah, I was I was just going to say when I watched, I was surprised at how wholesome the exchange was in every way. Mm. But I think we should write like that again. We I, should. I, I I think that that I. I I would do that for somebody, and I'm sure 99% of the world would do that for somebody, and and we don't have to be suspicious, and people don't need to be a creep everywhere you go. Right. So I, maybe, say, I, I guess say, what I mean, I, she, I would have made it so she gave him something else as important as he gave her. So well, it was an equal exchange. There was something to me that was unbalanced. That in, in, I didn't get, she in, could have given him advice about the girl or something that I would have added there to just make it a little bit more than thank god I, I met this girl she really then i would have set something else up you know it would have made it an important encounter yeah yeah i can see that yeah live and uh, learn yeah uh, you know steve Wasser, he unfortunately he's passed on justina but, says yeah, allison, have a hard time about it allison looks great in purple mm -hmm. stunning we've well, got yeah, a, yeah. a whole bunch of those uh really nice comments um i well, you know, before I'll, you go on i was just yeah. thinking because we're on this storyline also you're with joey tata do you remember working with joey who played the oh, uh, yeah, the counterman? Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. Joey is really a fighting for it right now to stay, uh, uh, you know, above ground. I, Aaron, I don't even know if you're aware of that, but um, you know, his daughter Kelly, who's mm -hmm. a friend of the show, has mentioned that mm -hmm. Joe Joey Tata has Alzheimer's and yeah, he's struggling that. with that. And um, mm -hmm. so we want to just say that we're supporting and loving him um, on this show. Oh, and I love Joey. We, anything we can do here. We, course we would we would do so um but i wanted to go back to something you were talking about allison about coming onto sets and um i don't know you know not knowing what the what was going to happen is and at this point you had obviously done some television so maybe you had grown into it but 90210 i mean it the we've talked to people before and they said that coming onto that show could be a little intimidating the cast could you know there maybe sometimes the girls could be clicky perhaps i'm i'm not saying that others have said that on this show did you feel any of that and i guess also what was it intimidating um what year was this episode <laughs> i was saying 96 or 97 i think 97 yeah, yeah. yeah. i sure somebody's gonna write it in the feed yeah i think it's 96 96 I was just trying to remember where I was in my life because when you, uh, or when life career, when when you mentioned asking me that, my initial uh, response is no, I didn't feel intimidated at all, and I felt I felt welcome where I was welcome and not bothered if I didn't feel welcome but i but and now that you say what year it was i just know you know i just had i'd just been around a long time so <laughs> you were on broadway for thousands of shows <laughs> you know well, really before that, you were a teenager as far as i could tell i mean uh, well i think that when you've been a regular <laughs> and when you've been a guest star and the the i those kind of you know, seven years i i was doing a ton of guest spots and um, I think I had just learned not to look for my life in my work. 
I, you know, if, if I, if people were great, great, but I certainly know how to occupy myself with my own interests in my trailer or dressing room. If, if, if there was not more there for me. So I, I found them, I found everybody delightful, but um, I was probably pretty easy to please. Yeah. I mean, I think, listen, I mean, there are definitely the one thing about doing this podcast that's interesting is there are experiences like you had, and then there are experiences that others have had. And, you know, there's no way to understand whether it's that person, what they were going through in that time, what the cast was going through at that time. There's a lot of variables that come with a question like that. Pete, yeah. since, you're, since you've broached this thing here, and Aaron, you should get in here too, <laughs> we might as well just talk about the, the elephant in the room, which is the Kelly Taylor, Mark Reese storyline. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's so wait, we have a situation now. In case okay. somebody said uh, did, you, did you watch the storyline? You, you, did you watch the episode, Allison? Yes. Yeah. And you can relate to the story just you know, in terms of other people. We're going to not tell. I don't know. I'm interested in what Michael's reaction is. Okay. But, but Larry, I think by me, this time. Let me set want, it up. Let me set, set it up, up. Because, set it up. because a lot of people don't know what we're talking about. But you've talked about this on the podcast. Sometimes people are watching this podcast for the first time. Larry has shared with us that the character Mark Reese, who's played by Dalton James, started the season that he was going to be a, a, a cast member, and then he was signed for all. Larry episodes. went into his office, to Aaron Spelling's office, and found out he was no longer going to be a cast member due to a kissing problem. We'll, we'll we'll just we'll leave it there. Is that a fair way of saying it, Larry? Well, I guess so because this is an episode where again it's isolated. Pretty much Kelly Taylor. She doesn't go to Vegas, right? Yeah, no. Right. She no. And she's with. She's basically spends the night at uh, Mark Reese's character. And we believe. I'm not sure now, Michael. When you were shooting this, did you feel these people were uncomfortable together? I'm. I'm going to have to say. I don't. Honestly, I do not remember. Okay. Good. Good answer, Michael. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, because. I can't remember whether it was before we shot this or after when we had when Steve Wasserman and I got marched upstairs to see the Mister, and he explained to us. And again, because we're writing thirty-two hours a season compared right. to what they do now, like eight or ten. Uh, right. And we, we're, I'm, you know, I'm kind of crazy, and we're way ahead in our scripts, you know, uh, probably, you know. So this is I don't know. And we get told basically that we have to rewrite everything because one of the actors is going to be leaving sooner than we thought. And I think it's actually after this episode because the episode that he goes away, which I then wrote, I think it's Job, which is like a January episode. So that's like a month away, four episodes away. That makes sense. So probably as a result of your episode, Michael, I had to, we, you know, our lives were, were, well, we, you know, we did it, but I mean, it's just, it was terrible. And then also having to lose the actor. But what happened is I call it a kissing problem. Sometimes, you know, when you've been a regular on a show and you have a certain amount of leverage and, and again, this was the wild west as far as actresses and men. And uh, Allison knows this. If it says in the script, you're supposed to kiss the guy in the 90s or the 80s, or you know, you're going to kiss him. And this is an episode where they're together and Michael has them cuddling and they're kissing and stuff. Well, anyway, whatever happened there, it changed the, the course of the show because he then was, was we, he, we had to write him out. You know, pretty quickly. That's right. And of course, we did it in like four episodes. You know, we saved four. Well, and you've told this before on this show, but you were told one reason as to why he was. Oh, yeah. I mean, do I dare share that? 
Well, you've shared it on this podcast. Yeah. You know, Michael, and again, this is, you know, you talk about working for the Mr. and what a lovely man he was, but he had another side too, because he's a successful producer. And so he knows that, that we've, you know, we're running this machine of a show 32 hours a year. He knows we've been working hard, but probably like 10 episodes ahead, you know, as far as the writing goes and, and approvals and all this stuff. And so he Mark brings Reese us is up do there this. Mark and Reese he says, do that. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's a whole storyline which is going to develop to the end of the season where Kelly Taylor and, you know, and Brandon's relationship will probably get back together, you know. Anyway, so we get brought upstairs, you know, and we kind of go in there. We know it's trouble because why is he asking, calling us up in the morning? And, uh, and so we're sitting there and he says, oh, we got a problem. I just found out that Dalton James is anti-Semitic. Oh, my God. And Steve and I go, what? He goes, I don't know what to do. I think we have to get rid of him. We go, yes, of course we're going to get rid of him, but we, we can't. And, and, and we walk out of there and we go, he probably just made that up. And, right. and I'm positive he's made that up. I'm sure Dalton James is not anti-Semitic. But I, I would that, was easy, that was an easy way to get us all of a sudden over to his side quickly without having to make a big point of it. Right. I mean, that's the kind of manipulation he does. Right. And, and as mean, far as actresses, one, I want to say one thing to Allison because he would always say this one thing, which I like. He'd go, actresses, you give them shoes and they walk away. <laughs> That's yeah, anyone who was disloyal to him, he'd always say that you give them shoes and they walk away. So you must have walked away <laughs> when he, he gave you shoes. All right, now, uh, Michael, anyway. you have all of that information. Yes, now we, tell us. We've, we've talked to you on this podcast about, I, I, well, I don't know where you shared it, but you shared about working with Shannon and coming yes. into work one day and, and uh, you know, not knowing you had heard something in the car or something like that. Yeah. And, and so you've dealt with people leaving and you've dealt with all of this stuff. Are you, are you any more aware of that? What Larry just said to you, that there was this kind of tension on set with Dalton James and, and no. I mean, they're professional. So, I mean, I'm not totally shocked, but you know, the outcome was that something happened where, you know, she, you know, she was just not going to continue in a relationship with this guy. That was not going to happen. And, you know, Mr. Spelling was going to certainly back her on it, and that's what happened. So he had to pay the guy off, and so we went. Jenny is obviously, but now I know I know what happened because I I had my usually I wore a big Jewish star to work, and one day it was missing. So now I understand why. Oh, he couldn't. And you would actually direct with that. I want no, to be kidding. Clear. We don't know. <laughs> I don't, don't own a Jewish. No, we don't know if it's true. I, we I don't know it. if it's I, true. Like I said, it just shows the you know the 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 genius of, of Mr. Spelling to to get people to do what he wanted them to do. We don't know if this is a true story or what it is, but this is what was told to you, and that's what yeah, we do here on the podcast exactly. is retell the story yeah. that came to us. So Dalton James is probably a wonderful human being. He's probably just donated a whole bunch of. Money. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Paul and, and you know Paul Wagner, who was our dear producer, was you know passed away obviously. But I'm sure Paul was given this task of, of giving uh, the news. Yes. And Paul would have found a gentle, gentle way to say it because he was definitely. A but listen, we don't know what the issue was. But if Jenny Garth is is this at this point, she is the star of the show, right? I mean, she is. Mm -hmm. And if she felt uncomfortable working working with an actor, I think it's it's okay for her. Of course. To say. Of course. I mean, again, there was not the uh, things now where they have like a romantic scene a coordinator. You know, you're going right. to kiss her at this angle and all the other stuff that goes on. No, then it was you know, and our guy. You know, I mean. Look, you 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 kiss some guys on screen, right, Allison? Did it you? seems archaic. It yeah. seems archaic. 
<laughs> but you did, what was your first kiss on screen? Do you remember? Oh, well, I, I think it was Ricky Schroeder. Wow. Nice. Silver, silver, silver spoons. Good for you. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's funny to think about um, in all our lives, in all the different ways of our lives as humans, what, you know, what has changed over the last 10, 20, 30 years. And it does seem slightly archaic that, you know, actors were just you know, left, left to figure it out for themselves without much discussion, without, you know, much like a real date. Well, let's see, except it's, except you have to say the line that comes after the kiss instead of what you may or may not yeah. truly want to say. So it does seem slightly uh, from uh, slightly archaic and from another time. And, uh, you know, people ask me how many shows I did a week when I was in Annie. And I, you know, did they say, you know, cause they think that there were like five Annie's and they split it up because you were too young to do eight shows a week. <laughs> so there are a lot of a lot of things that I participated in in my career that are now archaic. Not done. So, you, so you did the eight you did the eight shows a week. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. you're a show person. I mean, you're really the highest royalty of that stuff. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. Thank you. No, Aaron, Aaron, so, you so I have to just wonder one thing. So, were your parents involved in show business? Or yeah, obviously, you were growing up in New Jersey. We've yeah, just oh, right. That's great. For, we're, for auditions. We're Bergen County people, Alice. Bergen County. Right. And Larry, yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm the youngest of six children, and my my parents were long into their marriage and child raising, living a, uh, a kind of a tough life. My dad worked three jobs, and they had all these kids and not a lot of money. And then I kind of came and opened my mouth, and the rest was history. So they were thrilled and excited and uh i think it was a beautiful gift to their lives to have such i mean something they never ever would have dreamed come come their way through their child so um they were very supportive and it affected their lives um in probably many inconvenient ways so uh but anyway that's the that's the story it was a, a big surprise to everybody Allison, I want to tell you, um, Kathleen Robertson just texted me and said that you were wonderful, and she thinks that you are a fantastic actor. So That's I, so sweet. Why isn't she just on here with us? Oh, because she just, just got a lot going on and whatnot, so she just told me to tell you that. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Okay, let me ask Erin, do you have any thoughts here? Uh, I mean, you've been waiting in the wings. Do you have one away <laughs> on the on the what? Go ahead. Talk about well, no, I, I was going to say I, I had the same reaction um, that you were saying about Allison's character, where even though I remember what happened, I always have this instinct like, oh, you know, was there some twist where she's lying about the fiance right. or something? But um, but it was kind of nice because you have the con women and the David storyline. So this kind of balances that out with something wholesome. Um, but I was wondering for Allison, is there anything that you learned from your time on 90210 or kind of like took from the set that influenced your future work? Uh, I, I mean, I think I witnessed good work ethic and, mm -hmm. and uh, I, you guys already discussed it, how they, how 12 hours, you know, how work can be good work and not be labored and, and uh, that there can be a great environment and, and you can, 
still get a 12 hour turnaround. So uh, I think I was probably just impressed by its uh, professionalism, but I, but I think it had a reputation of that after seven seasons as, as an actor, you know, auditioning for, for, you know, to be on it at some point. I want to ask about a few specific things for you, Michael. Um, we were we we're fans of our show are always fascinated by the how does it happen kind of thing. Um, there's all this stuff with the car where uh, Claire, Steve, and Valerie and David go driving, yeah. right? And David races it to 100 miles an hour or something like that. He's really in. He's really just. He just inherited a whole bunch of money. How is uh, how do you do something like that? I guess fans love to know things like that. Um, well, we the car. I'm pretty sure that that car did not actually have seat belts because it was a. I don't think seat belts were in cars. It in would have been year. lap belts. It would have been lap belts. Lap belts. I don't even think cars had lap belts. We had to. We actually put them in. I, as I recall, I think we may have put them in that car. They were an option. Um, yeah. Um, and and then we, I can't remember where we shot it, somewhere out in probably Santa Clarita, which is now all houses and stuff, yeah. but it was probably pretty empty back then. And it was probably just, I don't think we had a whole day to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, we never had a whole day to do anything on that mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was just a wild, fun day where we just got in the car and, uh, you know, you mount. You mount the, usually you hook up the car to what's called an insert car, which tows the car. And mm -hmm. then on, on the insert car, you have lighting, and that's where the cameras usually are. Or for the side angles, you mount the cars on what's called a hostess tray. I don't mean the cars. You mount the camera on a hostess tray, which is similar to, you know, it's just it's, it's a, a platform that you, that you put the camera on. And it's just uh, you do it over and over, just like you would do on stage or on a location, and you just keep switching the camera to wherever you want it. Um, as far as the speed, you know, in a side angle, if you're going like 40 miles an hour, it looks like you're going really super fast. So you don't have to really go that fast to make it look fast. Um, and then right. the sound is an issue because it was a convertible. So I do remember uh conversations with the sound guy who they always would rather that the top is up and i would say no the top needs to be down yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you know get the awesome car and keep the top down right exactly um so that's usually a discussion that you'd have with the sound guy um and then as far as, you know, the speed, that's that was all sold by the actors, you know, the fear and whatever. And then the in those that that uh, I actually it's funny because I got a flashback of how we got the, the speedometer to look, look, it's going 100 miles an hour. Yeah. It's an insert. And in those days, the speedometer actually was a cable that would just spin around and make the thing go. And so we hooked with the prop guy or special effects hooked a drill to the mm. cable. We disconnected the cable from the motor and just, you hook a drill to it and you just, just turn on the drill and it spins the cable. Just so like bad uh, used car salesmen. Exactly. <laughs> reset, reset the odometer. Yeah. Oh, cool. So that was kind of fun. But that I do remember that was a really fun day to get out there in the middle of nowhere and just 
shoot the heck out of the sequence. And, you know, the, the actors all had a great time. And, you know, the scene was just fun. I, I wanted to say, though, David was so good in that show. Brian. Yeah. yeah. Brian. 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 He was so good. He made me hate his guts. Yeah. <laughs> when, when he got taken by those two, you know, the, the women who stole this stuff, I was like, yes, I'm happy that he got, you know, robbed. He was such a jerk in that show. He really did a great job in, in his and he, performance. He brought so much at the end of it. You know what I mean? When, yep. when, when him and uh, Tor, uh, Donna have that really nice scene together. Yep. Um, I wanted to ask you about shooting out that stuff with, um, you know, the two girls and Larry, you even writing that the, the, or Steve writing that stuff with the two <laughs> girls at the end of the episode that take him. Yeah. I mean, you know, well, you, know, you know, I had worked in Vegas through the eighties and the early and into the, uh, I guess into the early nineties, you know, I was a writer for the, uh, Bobby Barasini is performing orangutans. They, I had used them in a pilot in the early eighties, and uh, I wrote for monkeys basically. And I, I actually directed the show that uh, a little movie that opened the Enter the Night Show at the Stardust. But yeah, you know, I worked with Bobby, who's a you know fifth generation circus guy, and he had you know a performing orangutans. Um, so uh, yeah, that was you know so. Uh, anyway, so you hear stories. All the, you hear stories all the time, and you know you're around stuff, and I and I think Steve himself might have experienced something like that not that's really scenario. that but right. something like that and so he said yeah that's you know what's you know teach him a good lesson for me and you know michael be happy that he's he's hurt here and uh yeah we just totally make him you know it's a reality check which he needed and um yeah i guess you know i guess you know i'm not trying to think i mean obviously the hangover totally exploited the whole situation like the like took that. the took, took the concept right oh yeah yeah, yeah. But but I mean I'm sure I'm just trying to think where I just don't remember where the idea came from but I think it came from Steve I, I kind of feel certain. I want to ask you, Michael. Um, all this there's Claire's got this great storyline, right? I mean, this is such a great Claire storyline too that she figures out she cracks the code at the casino of how to right. win. <laughs> um, I don't know, Larry. What do you think about the Claire the Claire storyline when you looked back on it? Oh, again, she looks incredible. As I, I really enjoy their working together because again, there's just nice comedy. You know, it's 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 not the A or the or the B story, but it's really uh, it's just bringing some 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 style and and she looks fantastic in every outfit, and it's just some fun. I mean, just uh, we get a chance to see her a little bit out of her lane a bit, you know, being you know with some abandon, you know, believing something that's not scientific and yet it's working, you know. Speaking of people leaving and then coming back, but I just want to show um, Allison some of these pictures that we have here, right? Very cool mm -hmm. stuff. Um, at that time, also, Larry, you know, you guys bring back uh, Jamie, right? Yeah. And I'm going to play that interview in a little bit with uh, Zachary Throne, who gave us some really good insight into Jamie and what was happening then. But I wanted to ask you about how does that decision come into play obviously he left in a not in a great way right but um uh, you know we have to ask uh, professor weiss of teen dramology uh when the last time we had seen jamie was because this is season seven now and i can't you know i didn't research it's had, it had to be somewhere season six. Six. Season 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 six. six okay thanks Aaron. thank you yeah, yeah you you're you're graduating from that school um, <laughs> I, checked I think look we really like He's the dean of admissions we, you know we love jamie what he brought to the show and stuff so i think uh it was an opportunity to kind of you know to you know bring him back in a, in a good way that everyone's going there to see his show and stuff and um and 
you know, it was just something we wanted to do where everyone kind of, you know, res respects what he's done and, you know, and, you know, so we can kind of let him walk, walk away clean. And that's what we wanted to happen. Michael. I wish we I wish we'd had more music, but it was fun seeing the some rock and roll, and and our friend Zach Throne, who of course had appeared as the radio station head, who gives David methamphetamine <laughs> uh, and starts him as an addict in his freshman year, is it plays in in Jamie's band. That's what we're going to find out. He actually plays in tours with Jamie, so we'll, he's in we'll the band. That in a minute, but for Michael directing now, there's another thing right that you have to direct. You have to direct a rock concert at the casino, right? Yes. So. Uh, talk to me about doing that, working with Jamie. I mean, I'm sure you had probably directed him so, in some other episode prior yeah. to, so you were familiar yes. with him. And this is a company, like, he's returning home. And I think you guys did that really great, the way you presented him. Like, I know as a fan watching, I was just like, yeah, oh, God, it's so great. Ray's here. You know what I mean? So you do you do it really well. I even actually want to compliment you, Michael. Because and he's I successful. Love, I love the way the camera moves in the casino, too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it feels like you're 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 in the casino. So I'll ask you about that in a second, but working with Jamie again and shooting the music stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always love shooting music and that was one of the other great parts of doing 90210 is that there was almost always some music in the show. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a musician himself, so I don't have to, you know, he knows what to do, which is makes it a lot more fun and, and, uh, you can do a lot more interesting things when you have an actual musician playing. Um, so, you know, it's just, I mean, I, I think I had on that show, they, they would usually give me this piece of equipment called a techno crane, which allowed you to, it's sort of a long, it's, it's a sort of telescoping crane. So you can go from, you know, they have various sizes. So because this was interior, it was probably only a 20 foot crane. So you can put the camera in very cool places. It's especially great for filming any kind of music. Mm -hmm. because You can get behind the musicians and see the audience and you can push through and, you know, do all kinds of cool things. Um, so it's always fun shooting music. And like I said, with Jamie being a musician, it made it a lot. Uh, I was going to say easier. It's never easy, but right. It made it more fun. And in terms of the casino and shooting out some of the interiors of all that stuff, was there something that you were inspired by as a director that you saw casino-wise, or is it just natural instincts of having done it before? Uh, it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, I noticed one thing I did notice in this episode was there was a lot of uh, handheld shots. Yes. Uh, which is, you know, when the camera's not on a dolly or on, on sticks. Uh, which I think was pretty unusual for that show. For that show in general, we were, were not encouraged to do handheld. Um, but I think I wanted it to feel, because of where David was in his character, mm -hmm. I wanted it to have a sort of a little bit of a disorienting feeling to it. So I pretty, sh I'm, I'm, I don't think I used it that much in the other scenes, but with all of Brian's scenes, I think they were all pretty much shot with handheld. Just mm -hmm. so it was, like I said, a little bit un little bit weird for the audience to feel the camera kind of doing this movement all the time unsteady brian yeah unsteady, unsteady david yeah and it gives an interesting really nice. energy plus it also allows the actor to do more spontaneous stuff and you can stay with him or her mm -hmm. more easily with the handheld um allison um did you were you did you were you a fan of 90210 did you know of the show prior to coming on it I'm sure you knew of it, but were, were you 
where was it like sometimes we have people on that knew the show and you know walking on the peach pet set is a big deal or or you know going on the uh the into the walsh house set is, is really cool any of that for you um yeah i mean i think it was iconic at its in its time and it was certainly um certainly you know as a as a working actor i think you just wanted to when all those popular shows are on TV or when any popular shows on TV, you just want to be someone who, you know, you're like, Oh yay, there's, you know, I'm right for something in that show. Uh, so I'm trying to think if I, if I may, if I ever auditioned to be one of the regulars, but I don't think so. Mm. Um, sometimes that happens where you're like, you know, you auditioned originally and the show goes on for like nine years and you're, you know, you're not, in friends. Um, I was around for that whole era of, uh, you know, my generation's uh, magic years of television. So yeah, I was super excited to be on it. It was, uh, it was, it was iconic and smack, smack right in my age group of, of, you know, you also did, an, I want to ask you, this is not about 90210, you also did another iconic show in the West Wing. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your, I don't know, just sharing some experiences on that show. Um, that was, you were in, 11, I think, 11 episodes of that. It was really great. I mean, I, I love your character in that. Uh, good memories from doing the West Wing? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like a Pollyanna, but I, I could not have better things to say about that experience. Um, um, it was, it was magical at first, you know, being in the pilot, it was, you kind of felt this, uh, this surge of magic going on, um, even before it hit the air and, and the hope and promise of new good things like that. And everybody, a bunch of theater actors and, doing crazy walk and talk shots that now are like, you know, <laughs> famous, but at the time seemed in, you know, exhilarating uh, because it was so new. And uh, Rob was just hands down one of the hardest working. He, he, Sam, uh, he is Sam Seaborn is just, uh, I think he did an incredible job. Every time I worked with him, I was, blown away by how prepared he was and flexible with intonation and didn't really set into, you know, anything, even though he always had a bear of words, he knew them backwards and forwards. And yeah, it was a blast. And all those people are still, you know, in my life and good friends and um, just monsters of talent for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Aaron, anything else that you may have? Um, for Allison or just in general about the show? Generally speaking, yeah. Uh, I noticed some of the comments on the um, promo were talking about liking Val with David in this episode. So I was wondering what everyone's take was on that. And there's also a good moment with um, Val and Donna at the end, I think, where, you know, she says he's up in our um, in our room and then... Uh, right. Donna's mm-hmm. and what room is our room? <laughs> yeah, Larry, what's your thoughts on that? 
Well, you know, I, I, you know, this is a, you know, Valerie's the adult in the episode. It's kind of a, you know, a good switcheroo. Uh, yeah. You know, because she's she's the most, uh, you know, wanton of everybody. So yeah, I, I kind of like that, and I, I, I like the thought of uh, of uh, you know, look, they Brian and, and and Tiffany were you know a couple when they when you know when we again we made a mistake, Allison. We cast a couple who then broke up. Uh, <laughs> so you know, because and you know, it's it's hard, hard doing that television show you know for the actors and everybody it's just a miracle every time you know these things happen or magic does happen but yeah i mean just in valerie's character it was just a chance you know because she does care about david she does care about herself but so it was a chance to have a little bit of fun there and have them together and give a little hint that something might happen and, and instead david you know picks up hookers uh you know, roll. <laughs> a little bit different. Just, just stayed in bed man. like didn't have to go to that casino the other thing, Larry, we have to talk about is this is the start of um, Steve stealing um, Brandon's oh, yeah. paper. Yeah, a little bit, you know, right. bit, yeah, we, yeah, we were setting up, you know, again, in doing shows like this, you know, we always believed in vertically integrating our characters, you know, but set them, set friendships against, challenge leverage, challenge, you know, that's, you know, in the long range, what you have to do to keep, the, keep things alive. And so, uh, you know, it's senior year now, and everyone's going to graduate on time. And and Steve is, uh, you know, Claire's got high expectations for him. He's going to graduate, and so he's under pressure. I, you know, I haven't seen the episodes before in like thirty years, so I'm not quite positive what happened there. But obviously, uh, Brandon wrote a paper, and Steve's putting his name. We'll cover it. We're, we're, we're going to cover and, it. And Muntz yeah. uh, and our friend uh, Ryan Thomas Brown, who plays Muntz in many episodes for us, and we dearly love, uh, uh, is picking up that episode. So we kind of set that in motion again. You know, because the show. We believe the shows had to have a standalone story that just, if it's someone's just watching it, but also, you know, carry carry the water, carry the, the you know, the elements we need that are building the show up. Because this is a show, as we used to say in the 70s, with a memory, as opposed to a show without a memory. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, we're building storylines. Uh, and so, yeah, so then that's going to pay off, you know, in a couple of episodes when, you know, we've got a yeah, challenge really relationship with Stephen Brandon. Wait. To cover that, and again, it's a um, okay. characteristic to kind of you know take an easy route if you have to. Sometimes it's you know he's got a good justification for it, but he does it. I am going to say goodbye to Allison and Aaron. We will play that clip of Zachary Throne talking. Larry and I will mm -hmm. stick here, and um, Michael can let you, you want to hang. Listen to the clip. You're welcome to, but I'm going to say goodbye to them. We will um, come back and talk. Good to see you, Allison. It's a pleasure. Really. Nice, nice seeing you, Allison. Happy Good to see you guys. Thanks for all your hard work on television and making it so great. Yeah, it's been fun looking yeah. back at this. This is, you know, it's been fun for us and you know, re reconnecting with people as like yourself as well. Thank you. Just want to say you really love in this episode, and I love you in the West Wing, and you're just so talented from a very young age, and just think the world of you. So thank you for spending some you time here. So disciplined as a ten year old man. You must have sisters beating it into you or something. Yeah. <laughs> thank you guys. Thanks All right, me. good seeing you. I'm going to play this clip, and um, we'll be back in a minute to talk more about America Zip Code. Um, good to see you, both <laughs> of you. Dude, yeah. man, how are you? I'm really good. How are you guys doing? Good. So this was interesting because we were covering this episode. It's later on in the series, and uh, you're back, but not no, no, as no. you're not as Howard. You're you're you how did that all take place for you how did you get a call to come back and play with uh, jamie um well from what i remember we were well jamie and i were touring a lot he he, he had he had asked when he got the deal with atlantic and hold on was a, a hit 
um, we made a record, um, his first record. And then he's, we had done a lot of uh, live, we did a lot of live uh, appearances as the Heights. So you were with before. you were with Jamie all the way way back when when he was when he recorded that first record. Well, because yeah. they were friends on the Heights, they both were yeah. on the Heights. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. That, that's super cool, man. And what yeah. did, what did was, you play in the record? What, uh, I played uh, uh, Larry. You're gonna love this. I played well. I played guitar and bass on some things, and I did a lot of backing vocals. He, the single was big, and you know he was singing it on the show, and right. we were. We had we had gotten like this cool little Simon and Garfunkel kind of um, act together from the Heights because the, eventually the Heights uh, Fox or Aaron Spelling would just send me and him out mm-hmm. so we could play live and we just had two acoustics and we would do all the songs live and we got a good little duo thing happening. So when he was going out to promote this, he goes, "Do you want to just keep doing that?" And I said, "Of course." So we were doing a lot of um, personal appearances all over the world acoustically as well as with a full band. So we were tight. And from what I remember, he was, they wanted to bring his band on the show. Right. To, so Ray Pruitt had an actual band. And I was working as an actor. I was working on a, a show called Party of Five at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was acting in that. And I wasn't available to do the first couple of, episodes where he had a backing band and i i don't know who asked for me someone asked for me it might it might have been Priestley or it might have been jamie and he mm-hmm. said you know what? it would be, be better it might have yeah. been, been steve tyrell and they were just like yeah it'd be really cool if zach sang and played guitar in this and then i said yeah but i was already on the show it was howard <laughs> I and i look like howard. this <laughs> so i said how's that gonna work and um I had grown like this really dumb goatee, like the only goatee I know how to grow, which is terrible. It works, and- it works though, man. Like I, you know, oh, like Pete didn't know. So you were tight with Jamie the whole time. So when he left the show, I'm sure he mm-hmm. told you about that was happening, right? What, 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 yeah. That he's talked to us. I'm not speaking out of turn. He told told us about how difficult that was for him. It was it was a lot because it was you know. Um, it, it, it seemed overnight that there was that he was his tenure in the show was over, not for anything that he had done. Nope. You know, there were there were serious repercussions about the uh, story arc of Ray Pruitt. Funny enough, on the road when we would go on the road, and if I'm sure he's told you stories of fans holding up signs saying "Leave Donna alone" and things like that. It nope, was really heard that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you didn't hear it from me. Yeah, it was. It, it was. People took it very to heart because people were so close to all of these characters, mm-hmm. and 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 um, especially Tori. Yeah, they're very protective of her, and and so that that storyline um, carried over into his into his singing career. And then you look into the crowd and you see this Donna sign. You must be like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, it, it, yeah, I was like, you know, I mean, he got a script. It says to do this. He did it. He did it great because it convinced Barry's all of script, you. Right, yeah. And yeah. So you can't get mad at him because you're a fan of the show. And, you know, right. So, but no, but it, it really actually more illustrates how close people were mm. to this show and these characters. And you can't mess with them, you know. You know, yeah. that was when his storyline ended um, and his tenure ended, it kind of all happened real quick. Mm-hmm. And I was just beside myself trying to help him because it was, that's a lot. 
you know, it was like, a, it was a lot of things were coming to a close for a good friend of mine. And I, you know, you feel powerless. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I was there with him. We kept going out and playing and, um, you know, he, he took it really good though. I mean, it was really tough for him though. It was a real tough time. Ask you about, so you come back and you're doing the show. Was it like old times catching up with everybody? Um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know where they shot all that stuff. Do you know where they shot that? We were trying to figure it out. The, the, the Vegas um, band. That was at the Hollywood casino, the Hollywood, Hollywood casino. casino. Yeah, Hollywood in Park, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that, makes that, sense. that was the first one I did. It was awesome. It was it was it, it was like I never left. It was, uh, you know, it's a family, <clears throat> and sort of like having a, a cousin you just haven't seen in a couple of Thanksgivings or whatever. You know, you, now you show up again, and and uh, but no, it was great. Everybody's everybody was sweet, and it it yeah, it felt like I I had never stopped. Really nice stuff there from Zach, right, Larry? Yeah. Oh, I love Zach. Yep. I hang out with him when I go to Vegas. It's a lot of fun. He's playing uh, bass for the uh, Divas of Rock and Roll on, yeah. right, on, right on the strip. Um, okay. So I just want to, again, remind everybody to please, we're looking for those two states and um, Wyoming and Montana. Contact us here at Peter at Beverly Hills Show. I don't uh, Got it. It's on the screen. Peter at Beverly Hills 90210 show.com. Um, and look, man, you know, we're really excited. October 6th is just around the corner. It's going to be a huge show. Larry, you know, we're going to do a big super preview show next week. But tell me, I'm, what, what are you well, looking for? Again, it's a whole month. It, October is the Festival of Fans. That's right. It That's is. what yeah. I'm looking for because we're doing uh, America's Zip Code on October 6th. October right. 13th, we have the Peach Pit After Dark live which is a fans only event very casual event uh you know you know bring a significant we're gonna, watch, we're gonna rewatch we're gonna the show. <laughs> we're gonna exactly. re-watch the and then after that uh the next two weeks i haven't totally cleared it with my with my uh co-friends co- uh, chuck and Pete, but i think we're gonna do a two-parter story slam scripts have been written that's right but which you've never seen moments in the show which never happened little radio plays have been done which were uh, inspired by the winners of the story slam concert concerts and chuck and i both have our hands in that we've got to revisit these characters again and put them down uh, on our uh, it's amazing. computer it was pretty amazing chuck i think he's you know he's, he's gone off on a whole other world thinking chuck, about it chuck he's, he's like he's, you know, 1990 something i know he's really <laughs> happening yeah and it's great and um Everything is good. So that's the whole month is a celebration of the premiere, the 31st anniversary of the premiere of uh, Beverly Hills 90210. Brian, our friend Brian calls it Oktoberfest okay. 90210 style. Now, Brian Armand yeah. composed the theme for American Zip Code, which we're going to be putting our promo together with. It's fantastic. Um, it's yeah, and we're gonna be able to not get bounced off of off of YouTube <laughs> for a copyright infringement. Well, when hopefully. we did the super or um, one of the shows like, that we did, Chuck demanded we need to have Peter uh, uh, Connor play um, Rome by the B fifty twos. Oh yeah, that yeah, right that there. stopped the show. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We tried that. Yeah, good luck on Connor's uh, new album. Right? Yeah, there's yeah, so much good great. stuff happening. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. And thank you, Brian Armand, for that. That's gonna be a lot of fun when we see that. Yeah, we have to put that show together uh, this week. We need a little meeting on that. We're going to. We'll do the meeting live on Patreon. And Aaron, so I really, it's been, it was a wonderful way to spend uh, yeah. my I'm pre-dinner time. Guys, listen, if you want to be a part of next week's show and you want to join the Patreon, you want to sneak right through uh, the, the zip code process, 
patreon.com slash Beverly Hills 90210 show. And you will be on next week's show when we're covering who are the greatest couples. Okay, man, this has been great. Larry, good seeing you as always. I am now going to sing karaoke at, uh, in, in, <laughs> I'm not going to say where. So. I uh, <laughs> urge you to sing some Leonard Skinner. For you, um, I will. Yes, yeah, simple man. All right, man, good seeing you. And we will be back next week. <laughs>